This is the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Kendall of the notaballerina.com travel blog. Every episode, I'll share travel tales from several fellow travel lovers, and together we hope to entertain and inspire you, remind you of some of your own great travel experiences, and encourage you to hit the road again soon. Welcome to episode 9 of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast, the stories in the scary bits. So today we're having a look at uh, where fear and memory kind of intersect when we're thinking about our travels. I think when you have uh, scary moments and uh, the stories that are connected to those scary moments, they're the bits that you remember perhaps almost the best of all the experiences you have on your travels. Uh, And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, So I think one of the huge benefits of travel is that it really pushes you beyond your comfort zone and helps you to grow and and learn more about yourself and the world. Uh, Now, if something frightening or scary happens, then I guess your comfort zone is widened even further. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I think everyone likes to remember the scary bits or perhaps at least to tell the tale about them. We've actually had an episode uh, back in episode five called Every Traveller's Scared Sometimes, where I chatted with a couple of people about some of particularly hairy, scary moments on their travels. And I think the the moral out of that, or the lesson was that although scary things happen, um, they happen to everyone, experienced travellers or inexperienced travellers, and there's certainly not a reason to stay home. Uh, I was thinking about some of the scary moments that I've had on my travels, and Actually, quite a number of them involved being in a car or in a foreign country where the driver didn't speak, uh, I didn't speak the driver's language, and we were travelling, you know, kind of fast and dangerously. I, I think I'm a nervous passenger to start with, so perhaps that's why it happens to me. But uh, one of the scariest moments was in Egypt. It was in the middle of the night, and there'd been this mix-up, and we hadn't been able to take the shuttle bus to the airport and someone had uh, found us this taxi. They kind of rustled up this um, this guy who, I don't know if it really was a taxi. His a car had no markings on it. And um, actually, in retrospect, thinking about his driving style, I'm not even convinced he had a driver's license. But in any case, there we were hurtling along this um, kind of rough Egyptian highway en route to the airport in the middle of the night. And our driver, apart from loving to drive fast and having a great excuse he thought because he thought we were going to miss our plane Um, but on top of that he had the theory that um, if he drove without his headlights on then he would save money on fuel it would reduce the fuel consumption of the car Um, I don't think it's true and in any case there's a good reason to drive with your headlights on in the middle of the night because then you can see where you're going and what's coming towards you because of course there happened to be some other drivers around who had this same fuel consumption theory and were also driving along this highway without their lights on in the darkness of midnight. So you can imagine how I felt. I was um, completely convinced that we were about to have a head-on collision and die. Uh, I was really, really, really scared. Uh, Obviously, I didn't because I am here to tell you the tale and that's the thing, that's the story I remember from that day more than anything else that happened to me in Egypt and it did push me beyond my comfort zone and it's not something I'd like to repeat but I think, you know, I always learn and grow from these things. 
So that was uh, one of the scariest moments of my traveling life. Um, now, first up today, we're going to be talking to Jean Cheney of Traveling Honeybird. So Jean had a really interesting trip uh, in Mongolia, um, trekking on horseback, but it uh, wasn't all simple and there were a few frightening moments for her. That the scary things that people tackle on their travels are on either side of an Instagram image. Ah, fascinating. Tell me I more. always think when you see somebody on top of a mountain having a cup of coffee or pointing or sitting reflective, I go, that is amazing. How did you get there? More importantly, how are you getting down from there? <laughs> yes, very good. Of course, I now instantly want to hit your Instagram account and quiz you about some of your moments. So tell me yes. <laughs> tell me about your scary moments, so ups um, or downs. Trekking through the mountains in Mongolia was by far one of the most magnificent things I have ever done. Mm-hmm. I would do it again. The camping, the eating, the showering in rivers, none of that saves me whatsoever. The climbing and sliding down mountains is what petrified me. Uh-huh. So, again, I, I knew it was an, a mountain journey, so it's my own fault. But this is when I truly found out how scared I am of heights. Oh, dear. I see. And this is a problem. Yeah. It, it, it's not the going up that's an issue for me. It's the coming down. Interesting. You know, so it's quite fine as you, you know, riding up the side of a mountain or sometimes it's too steep and you're walking but it's when you get to that peak and you know you've got to go down what goes so up must the, come down yes there was our last final descent um it had snowed so the normal path that we take was just a shelf of snow Ooh. <laughs> And, okay. you I'm know, I, I was not even brave enough to walk close to it to peer down. Mm. So we had to climb another, I don't know, maybe 100 metres, sort of zigzag up and take another path. And it's one of those beautiful paths that's only used very rarely by locals in time of desperate need, like when <laughs> the weather blocks off your normal regular path. Right. And it's one of those issues when the guides turn to you and, they're giving you advice, take it slow, look where you're going, there's no rush, we've got all day. If you stumble and fall, let your horse go, they'll make their own way down the mountain. Ooh, wow. As someone who's done bungee jumping, I thought my fear of heights was just a natural good safety fear, you know, jumping off a bridge in New Zealand. Yes, because that seems like a stupid thing to do. Yeah, it's just a ridiculous <laughs> thing to do. However, I did it, well, yes. I'd do it again. No. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, I always think you know, people forget or people don't want to talk about their fears when they're doing an activity like rock climbing or skiing or hiking because it doesn't make a good Instagram story. No, it really doesn't make such a great Instagram story, but these are important stories to tell, exactly. So how did you like mentally prepare yourself to, to get down these mountains in Mongolia? What, did you, what were you saying to yourself? How did you convince yourself to, well, how come you're not still up there? I know I have to get down, and if I procrastinate, I'm going to be here longer than what I want to. So it's just the, you know, head down, shuffle, shuffle. Whoop, I'm at the bottom. That's great. With the last descent through the affectionately named Death Pass, um, I had, I'd been wearing a uh, straw cowgirl hat that had been well worn and battered. I actually 
curved it around one side so I couldn't see across the valley and down. I could see quite safely two, two and a half metres in front of me without, you know, having to lift my head and look around. Right. I, I blocked off my peripheral vision on yeah. one side. That sounds smart. So that, yeah, there was nothing for me to see to be scared of. Mm. And also had one of the girls that I was travelling with, we just had ridiculous conversations all the way down. If anyone had heard that, they probably would have thought we were 13-year-old girls. But it was a good distraction method. It's, yeah, it's a really good distraction method. Yeah, yeah. So put so, blinkers on, distract yourself with silly conversation. That's your strategy. Pretty much. And I just think to that's get, very, get very wise. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because you do have to get down. It's a must. Um, anything else, um, like anything quite different that's scary, uh, any kind of scary occurrence happened on your travels? Any, um, you know, any crime or any, I don't know, any moment that you felt terrified for some other reason? I think taking taxis in Myanmar was also something that petrified me. Um, due to the water festival, we had to take a lot of private taxis. And because these people are being paid only one way to drop you off, and it's a six or a seven hour drive sometimes between the cities, right. they take the fastest route, which generally does mean it's a local road. So roads where buses can't physically fit on. So you're on little windy roads going through and over mountains and you know, people are just beeping at each other as they go around blind corners. Mm -hmm. I think taking local transport can just be terrifying at the time. Yes. Because you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know where you are and you don't know what to do if something goes wrong. Yeah. You're at the mercy of a driver who may or may not speak any English. Yes, yes. I've had those kind of experiences and you really, um, there's not much you can do except just sort of hold on for dear life and hope that you get there. Yeah. You've got to go, I've paid you some a reasonable amount of money and I'm hoping that that amount of money has been enough for you to get me where I need to go safely. Yes. Well, you hope you have to hope that they don't have their own death wish and they would also like to arrive yeah. safely. So, <laughs> um, but, um, but they do have, in some places, different uh, safety, considerably different safety standards to um, to what we would expect here. So, the lack of seat belts tends to get me. Yeah. Yes. Me yeah. too. Or you hop in a car or a bus, and like the seat belt strap is there, but the connector into the seat mm -hmm. is not. That's a big one I found in Asia. Yeah, not my cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea either because I'm used to, used to feeling that lovely safety safety net of the seatbelt. And, um, yes, and perhaps the somewhat lawless nature of driving in those places where um, speed is really no issue, road quality is uh, somewhat different. And, yeah, I, I remember when I was younger, uh, so before I had a son and I would be in those kind of situations and I would kind of just close my eyes and hope for the best and think, oh, well, <laughs> if something happens to me now, at least I died doing something I really love doing. And yeah. that was like the way I would console myself. But um, I'm a lot more cautious and averse to those kind of risks now that I've got a son because I wouldn't want him to be uh, left without me or something to happen to him. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit harder now. I really love the games that we play with ourselves to get through these scary moments, like Jean blocking her vision with her hat so that she couldn't see down the mountain. But I think we have to do whatever we have to do to get through it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I also particularly liked Jean's insight about um, about 
the the real story of our travels being either side of an Instagram image. And uh, ever since we had that conversation, every time I'm on Instagram, I'm uh, imagining what happened either side of those um, beautiful travel photos that the people I follow are posting. And I think, uh, yeah, that might be where the scary stuff is and the exciting stuff and all kinds of other stories. So I thought that was an interesting, uh, a really interesting perspective from Jean. Now, my second guest today is Candice Sraden. You've uh, heard from Candice before back in episode six when she told us about some of the surprises that have happened to her on her travels. Uh, and so today she's kind of talking about another surprise as well, but this was a bad surprise. So uh, it was uh, quite a scary moment. Uh, so I'll let uh, Candice tell you the story of what happened to her once on a trek in Turkey. To go back to the same trek I did through Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, the Evliya Chlebi Way. Um, so as I mentioned, I did that trip alone. And most of the time, I felt completely secure um, in the culture. I felt very looked after. And all the families I met were extremely concerned and wanted to make sure I you know, was getting on my way okay. Um, but towards the end of the trip, I think it was on my second to last day I was walking, I was leaving a very small village one morning. And these two young guys, probably in their early 20s, started following me. And at first I thought they were just, you know, trailing me for a little bit. And I turned around and or I kept turning around and they were, would kept staying there. And at one point I turned around and I'm like, look, are, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're just going to our fields. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I can't, I can't really argue with that. No, <laughs> you know? true. Um, yeah. So I kept going and um, I passed this house and there was a very lovely elderly couple sitting outside and I waved hello to them and kept walking and at one point a car pulls up and it's that elderly couple and they're like, get in, get in. We'll take you to the next village. And I was like, no, no. And I explained that I was walking across the country and you know, if I could, I wanted to try to keep walking, but thank you so much. And I turned around and I could see the guys, these, the two young guys that had been following me, they had kind of diverted off the road into a field and they had ducked down so that they weren't visible from the road. And as I'm saying goodbye to this couple, I'm thinking, did they see the guys? Were they concerned for me? Or were they just being kind? And am I making a mistake by doing that? So anyway, I kept walking and um, turned around another point and the guys were, you know, crossing over the field to come back to the road. And I kind of, my annoyance sort of shifted very slowly into the realm of fear. Mm. Um, and I tried not to keep turning around just to let them know I wasn't getting nervous. Um, but at one point I was rounding a bend and there was a tree that I felt like could kind of shield me to turn and look at them without them seeing. And I realized they were running after me. And that's sort of when it all went straight into full on fear. And at that point, um, yeah, I just stopped and I was like, okay, I I don't know what I'm doing here. And I just sort of looked at the sky and I was like, please help me, (laughs) you know, just this cry of desperation of not really knowing what was about to happen. Um, And the moment I'll never forget was right then these two men who were probably in their 50s just started walking out of the forest. There was a a section of woods to the right of the road and they just come strolling out of the forest. It was a Sunday morning. They both got walking sticks and they're just walking towards me. And I just instantly felt a little bit more at ease. And they came up and I said hello to them and made sure I was going in the right direction and I kept walking and I instantly felt a little bit safer just knowing there was a buffer now between me and the guys because there were these two older men there. Um, I kept walking and then at another moment, I hear these voices yelling down to me and it's the two men and they're saying, hang on, hang on. And they came back down with me and started walking with me. Uh, You know, I hadn't said anything to them and they just 
but they just decided to walk with me and they proceeded to walk with me for another hour. Um, and I, as we were walking and conversing, I learned they were from the village I had just left. And so they essentially walked two hours out of their way to accompany me. And then they turned around and walked back to this village. And to this day, I'll never, I'll never really know if they had, you know, continued walking, seeing the boys and thought, nope, we need to walk with this woman. Or if they had just done it again out of the kindness of their hearts. But that for me, um, I always point to is probably my scariest moment out in the world um, because I felt so incredibly vulnerable. But the minute the men appeared, I also felt like the world does look after us at times as well. So, so true. Um, yeah. So that's, I, I, I ticked the, the, the box of tackling scary things because I think it's can be one of the hindrances when you decide to go traveling, especially on your own is, am I going to be safe? Am I going to be okay? Um, there's, I think there's always this very inherent risk in traveling and it can hold us back at times. And I think what I've learned through experiences like the rickshaw run, like trekking through Turkey, there is going to be that risk, but there's also, I think there's a moment where the world meets us at our risk and it does take care of us. That's very beautifully put. And I think you're right. Uh, and it's a shame that, that the fear of what could go wrong does stop some people from, from getting out there and having a go. I'm glad that it didn't stop you. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's always there, you know, I think, and that's, especially as a woman, I think the idea of staying safe as a woman on your own in the world is a huge, you have a sense of awareness about it that never goes away. You know, when you're traveling on your own, you're always thinking about it and making sure, always kind of checking behind your back a little bit. But I think in my own experiences, I've seen that risk lead to a reward. And so I think for me, that's what kind of gives me that little kick of motivation to keep launching out, even when I feel the fear and feel the risk. Yeah, I think that's a very reasonable attitude. And there's risk wherever you are. There's risk at home as well. Mm, so totally. at least if, you, if something happens to you, but you've been trekking across a beautiful country, that's better than something happening to you and you've been, you know, commuting to the office in the same train every day. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point about it can happen anywhere. Um, you know, I my new home base now is in San Francisco, which um, I often say I feel the least safe in that city than I do anywhere in the world. I feel far safer in Bangkok or Mumbai than I do in San Francisco. So, um, yeah, I think it is all relative. And I think that the risk is everywhere in the world now, especially with, um, you know, we can into the idea of these attacks that keep happening in cities that you would not expect it to happen anywhere. So I think it's, um, yeah, living with that awareness that um, there's always going to be risk in that but that shouldn't hold us back, I don't think. Yeah, I completely agree. I remember a couple of years ago when my son was relatively young, he was maybe three, and went with some friends to Malaysia over the summer and because he was quite little and I was quite worried about him getting sick because it's okay as an adult, you know, if you get sick, you know, if you, you know, something from the food or whatever. That's, you know, didn't really ever bother me before that. But then taking him to Asia bothered me much more than I expected it to and so you know I was really really concerned that you know he would get sick he would eat something and you know his little body wouldn't cope and all of that um but we were there and he was totally fine and back here in Perth um one of my good friends and her two kids had a really really awful um stomach illness at the same time just from being back here in Perth um you know one ended up in hospital and all of that and I thought wow so I've come over here to Asia and we've been fine and if I'd stayed in Perth we probably would have hung out with them and we would have been sick so 
um, that kind of reminded me that the risk is everywhere. Yeah. Oh, that's a perfect example of that. Absolutely. Yeah, it was amazing to me of all the things that would happen to my friends back here. That was the thing I was most worried about happening to in Malaysia and it was fine. So, Oh, that's yeah. fascinating. Yep. It's better to take some calculated risks and um, get some new yes. experiences to go with them. But I'm really glad that those two um, older Turkish guys turned up because uh, that sounds really scary. I would have been terrified in that situation because what can you do? You you know they're going to outrun you. They're going to there's two of them. They're stronger than you. If something happens, what yeah. what are you going to do? So, yeah, exactly. I wrote a story about that experience for a Lonely Planet anthology, and I ended up calling it Two Angels in Anatolia" because that's what those two men felt like to me. I had just sort of lifted my arms to the heavens, and they miraculously appeared right when I needed them the most. So oh, that's a beautiful um, title yeah. for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. It's always given me a little extra confidence in future journeys to remember that. Candace is right that worrying about your safety, especially if you're traveling on your own, um, can hold us back. We don't really want to put ourselves in the path of those scary bits. But also, as Candace said, the flip side of taking that risk is, is really worth it. And risk really is everywhere. Now, um, I also like that Candace has proven my, um, my supposition in the title of this uh, episode that the story is in the scary bits uh, by turning this particular incident into very much a published story. Uh, so her story in the Lonely Planet anthology about uh, her experience in Anatolia in Turkey, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. It's in a great anthology called An Innocent Abroad, Life-Changing Trips from 35 Great Writers. And that's true. There's some really amazing travel stories in there from um, some very famous writers. And Candace is, of course, one of them. So thank you very much for listening to episode nine of the Thoughtful Travel podcast. I hope that these scary stories have both entertained you and let you feel that it's okay to have something scary happen on your travels because that'll make a great story and it's really worth going out there and taking a few risks from time to time. I am not recommending bungee jumping though because I just think that's crazy. <laughs> All right, so I'm um, just to let you know some more details about the guests we had on today. Um, Jean of Travelling Honeybird is a lovely, lovely lady that I actually met in Bangkok at the TBEX conference last year and we got to catch up again in Melbourne over the summer. So you can find her great blog at travellinghoneybird.com. And second, of course, we had Candice, Candice Rose Rarden from The Great Affair blog. Uh, you'll find her at candiceroserarden.com. She's also got an amazing book of her own, um, Beneath the Lantern's Glow, Sketches and Stories from Southeast Asia and Japan. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that, as well as to the anthology, The An Innocent Abroad from Lonely Planet. Um, as you know, Candice is an amazing both travel writer and travel artist. So do um, take a moment to check out her work if you haven't already. Now, all of these details will be in the show notes and for this episode, they will be at notaballerina.com slash zero nine. So do go have a look at some of those details there. Uh, thank you very much for everyone who has left a rating or review or tweeted about the podcast in the last couple of weeks. It's been great to get some really interesting feedback and I've loved that some of my uh, listeners are recommending or suggesting people who I should have on the podcast to interview. So thank you so much for that and keep it up. Uh, you can uh, tweet me at Amanda Kendall. You can use the hashtag ThoughtfulTravelPod. And you can also get in touch on Facebook by searching for the Not A Ballerina Facebook page. 
This has been another episode of the Thoughtful Travel Podcast. Show notes and other information are at notaballerina.com slash podcast. Join me again soon for another chat about why we travel. Bye for now. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.